Courtney. Hey, Sasha. What does Dracula say to his valentine? I don't know. What does he say? You can count on me. (gasps) And it's the count that thinks it's spoop hour. Shout out to the best Valentine's Day related comic of all. Yes. Yes. I love that one. It's so good. So we are Spoop Hour, a comedy, paranormal, paranormal comedy podcast that lasts an hour, um, (laughs) give or take. Ish. uh, Ish. And as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour. And you can always contact us at spoophour at gmail.com. Anything spooky happened to you this week? Um... Not like last week, but I did manage to start and finish a book in like a day. <gasps> was, was it that one that was really? The, yeah, the, it was a newcomer by Keigo Higashino. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it translated to English from Japanese, and it was just really good. Twisty turny. Twisty turny, and then did like, you see the ending coming? I saw. I, I knew who it was going to be, uh-huh. but it took me a little bit to kind of piece together the why. Uh-huh. But then as I was reading through, I started getting like one step ahead, and I was like. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I was just, like, sad. Oh. It was not, like, a scary mystery. It's it was just a like, sad mystery. This, everybody um, has sad circumstances. Yeah, and I was no, like, sad. I would watch the hell out of this if it was a TV show. Yeah. <gasps> and I don't watch a lot of TV, so... That's, that's saying, saying something. something. Yeah. Contact us if you want to make that a TV show. I don't yeah. know why you'd contact us, but well, do so, it. <laughs> so Keigo uh, Higashino has a lot of his work done as movies and TV shows. Nice. So I'm just like sitting here waiting for Newcomer to be adapted. <laughs> <Sunday>. <laughs> when did it come out? The book came out last year. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so it be, might be in... Well, last year in um, in English, and so I'm not sure when the original publication date was. Yeah. So it should be on its way. Yeah. A lot of his stuff gets adapted, so yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah. I'll watch it on like... TV Japan and whatever. Yeah. I just um, might gotta wait a little bit longer. Yep, yeah, but yeah. I was I was excited to finish it. Nothing else spooky. I started playing a game that wasn't Kingdom Hearts. <gasps> yeah. Who are you, and what have you done with Sasha? Well, no, it's been on my it's been on my to play list, and I've just never had the confidence to do jump in, oh. and then I played Kingdom Hearts three in less than four days, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I can do anything. I can do anything now. So I'm working on my like JRPG nice. list of things that I've always wanted to play and have never. So I don't know who I am. I saw <laughs> a meme on Facebook, but it accurately reflects me and Kingdom Hearts. Oh, haha. <laughs> it's just Sora saying, I'm lost. What's going on? Yeah. It me. There's also the one where it's just Woody going, whatever you're talking about, I don't care. <laughs> I care that you care. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I did see a thing today and I was like, ooh, a Kingdom Hearts thing. Does Sasha need it? But you didn't. It was uh, just an iron-on patch of the, like, heartless logo. That's the one with the heart and yeah. the, like, upside-down yeah. fleur-de-lis, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That. Target had it. Mm, okay. I didn't think you needed it. I don't, I don't need an iron-on patch, but yeah. thank you for thinking of me. I was like, <gasps> You're the Sasha. count that thinks. Yeah. Thank you. Um, How about you? So, less spooky, more like it caught me off guard, and I'm always very jumpy next to my closet anyway. So, I mm. recently put up, but not with any kind of adhesive solution, I put the poster I got for the My Favorite Murder Tour, I just, like, leaned it against my, you know, the owl mm-hmm. painting? Mm-hmm. I just put it on top of that. You know, sure. like adults do, when you want to put something up. Sure. And this morning, out of nowhere, it just fell on my head uh-huh. and I'm sitting in front of my closet which as we've been over before my deep fear with my closet is that it connects to the attic and I live Something's in fear of someone it, yeah. living in my attic so I was like oh no what's happened oh it's the poster yeah <laughs> I will say uh tomorrow I'm going to the National Cathedral at night Ooh. um for a like a light show so I'm going with two friends from work but that's my favorite piece of spooky architecture in DC. Is the cathedral? The cathedral. I it's, imagine it's a nice piece of Gothic architecture. And oh no, I'm blanking on her name. I was just talking about her when I was telling this earlier to someone else. 
Helen Keller is mm. buried, like, she's entombed at the National Cathedral. So there's, like, a whole thing down there for her. And it's kind of nice. spooky. I remember it scaring me a little bit when I was little. Mm. Um, but they have this, like, wonderful garden and stuff. And obviously it's February, so there's nothing blooming. But yeah. um, I'm excited to go visit because I haven't been there in a while. So it'll just be nighttime spooky It'll be dead just nighttime garden spooky and... stuff, yeah. Nice. I'm excited. Love it. Well, speaking of spooky stuff, we had someone reach out to us. Shout out to Abby, who is on Instagram as at notsoofficialabby. So look her up, follow her. I got her permission to shout out her Instagram. We love you, Abby. Thank you for asking us a question. Last Q&A. Yay. Yay. All right. So you want to read her story? I'll read her story. Yep. All right. So I have been listening for quite a while now. Yay. Thanks. Um, And so we appreciate you. So, she's a housekeeper at a hospital, and she works from 5 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. in the family practice building alone. Okay, so this is her story. Last night, while my coworker was out having a smoke, I was vacuuming with one of those ancient push vacuums that are non-electric. Uh-oh. I was walking toward the back of the building, and then I started hearing what sounded like a busy tone on a phone call, but really loud. So naturally, I'm like, who the hell is in here, and why are they on speakerphone with the busy signal? Oh, no. I walked around the back reception desk and kept hearing it coming from this cabinet. There was no phone on or in it, as far as I know. After a bit, I just quickly walked the fuck away from that. (laughs) Good call, Abby. Good call, Abby. Stay alive. (laughs) I didn't think much of it, like, oh, some weird computer stuff is making noise. Then tonight, I went to the storage room and went to work for a while, when I then realized I needed something from there. I walked back and the door was locked. It has never been locked before and my keys wouldn't unlock it. Oh. My coworker ended up having to come open it for me and notice that there isn't a lock on the inside. What? You have to manually lock it with a key from the outside. Why the fuck would anyone lock it? I just don't know. I'll keep you guys updated if anything happens. Oh my god. Stay spoopy, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Oh my god. See... We've said it before. We always try to make it so that this is our first read of the story. So all I saw was, I work in a hospital. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. And oh, my God. Oh. And I guess we're ruling out that it was a really terrible prank from your coworker because it seems like they weren't around when you got locked in. Yeah. That's a bummer. I don't care for that uh, shit. Don't go in that closet anymore. Don't care for that. (laughs) All right. And then we have another story. We do. That... We retweeted on Twitter, and I just want to make sure more people are <laughs> aware of it. Everyone needs to know this story. Everyone needs to know this story. I woke up and couldn't get back to sleep at like six this morning, and I was like, ooh, Spoop Hour retweeted something. I'm going to read it. And then I was like, oh, this yeah. was a mistake. It was me retweeting it last <laughs> night before bed and going, this was a mistake. <laughs> so I'm glad that oh, you and I had that no. same. So yeah, I, I'm surprised I was able to go to bed afterwards, but yeah, this morning I woke up and just couldn't go back to sleep, so, yeah. I, so I kept finished reading that, mur- that murder mystery. Okay, so where I found this first was, I think it was Angie Thomas, the author of The Hate You Give, who uh-huh. retweeted it to her account. Nice. And just, it was a person retweeting the story saying, okay, I know this is your family, but you gotta throw the entire child away. <laughs> so, always a good sign. So always a good sign, so I decided to click through to the thread. <laughs> This is by a user named Summer Heacock, who is at Fizzy Girl on Twitter. Um, and we retweeted this story so you, can guys, you guys can go and like give, read it when you're read awake it at four and maybe in the retweet it and continue to spread it. Because <laughs> the weird thing is, it's still as of today, February 10th at 4:24 p.m. only has 238 retweets. Where I'm like. Why are people not screaming about this? Because people are like, nope, nope, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see this. (laughs) Okay, so the thread starts. Okay, who wants to hear a creepy-as-fuck story that still has the hair standing up on the back of my neck in which I demonstrably banished a ghost from my eight-year-old son's body last night? I do, I do. (laughs) So, son has been sick all week with the flu, but, like, real sick. He has been laying in bed in, like, this pitiful puddle of melted little dude, and it's been really hard to watch. Last night, 12-year-old daughter confides in me that she believes a ghost has latched onto her brother. God damn it! <laughs> and that 12-year-old is pretty old, but at the same time still in that threshold for, like, paranormal activity. Yeah, my mom had a friend who stayed home from work once with her daughter because her daughter was about 12, mm-hmm. and her daughter swore up and down that there had been a ghost in her room last that night. Mm-hmm. And, like, she didn't sleep, and she was like, I don't want to go to school, I'm really scared. And so she she was like, she's 12, she's not just gonna, she's not the kind of person to just make this this up to get yeah. out of school. Well, so, scary. shit! 
Kids! So, being the good mom that Summer Hickok is, she hears her out, which is good. Not yeah. dismissing your daughter. No, don't dismiss so your kids. she says it's like her brother is gone. His mm. eyes look different. His voice is weird. He's just sort of gone. Mm. Now, at first I try to explain what the flu can do to a person, but she persists. She says ghosts can latch onto people and it's like poison. This stalls me. I've heard this before, that a spirit with, will grab hold and literally, like, sort of pull life out of a person. Ugh. Now, I used to not believe in ghosts, but my mom has had some shit happen, which I will share at a later time, which <laughs> I'm honestly excited to hear I about. love family ghost <laughs> shit. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> now, I don't discount the possibility. I'm standing in daughter's doorway, and I explain how I once asked a ghost to leave our old house, and it did. Seriously, that happened. It was a lot. <laughs> I tell her I'll go to his room while he's sleeping and politely ask, and if there's a ghost, it'll leave, right? I shut her door, which is right next to Sun's door, and I look at him. He's laying there asleep. And then suddenly, and I mean, I was staring right at him and didn't see him move. He's sitting up, looking at me. He says in a raspy voice, I've got those. No, you don't. And I piss myself. I slowly walk in and ask what he means, and he repeats, I've got those. No, it's so much worse to hear the raspy voice doing it. <laughs> I ask, what does he have? And he looks up at me with his head tilted down, his eyes all dark, and this creepy fucking smile he has never made spreads across his face. No. <laughs> I've got those. No. He's just staring at me, smiling, this toothy, vicious smile. I had goosebumps over every inch of me. And then, he starts to fucking spin. Jesus Christ. Literally spinning on the bottom bunk of his bed. Using his feet and his hands, he starts spinning like a motherfucking top. This child hasn't been able to physically walk in days. We've had to carry him room to room, and he's spinning. Sorry, I know this is your son, but you gotta throw the whole child away. (laughs) I told him to stop, that he was gonna hurt himself. And he's going faster and faster, and it looks like horror movie CGI, spinning on his toes and palms. I was in fucking tears. I wanted to scream for my husband, but I was too scared to yelp. There's no room for him to be spinning like this and not concussing himself, but he spins and spins and spins and hits nothing. He is still smiling. I finally grab him by the shoulder and sort of sputter to stop or he'll hurt himself, and he stops. I've got those. No. I say to lie down and he does this terrifying thing where he folded himself in half sideways with his head underneath him, still smiling. I move him like a doll and say, say, mommy's still here. It's okay. Go to sleep. He passed right out, still smiling and whispered, I've got those. No. So... I walk out slowly and did what any reasonable adult would do. Burn the house down. I called my mom at 3.30 in the morning, her time, and lost my (laughs) shit. She calms me down, makes a plan, and she starts praying for son while I get off the phone. Y'all, I deadass grabbed our salt and ran in and drew a line under his bed from one end to the other. I then went to, into the speech to a ghost about how I'm sorry for whatever happened to bring it here. I hope it finds peace, but get the fuck out of my son, please. <laughs> Here's where things finally caused me to crack. You didn't crack already? I know, it's <laughs> like, everything else seemed normal, but then. I turn around. Nope. And all of our pets are sitting in a line behind me. No. All of them. Puppies. Just sitting there facing my son. No. I fucking ran from that room. (laughs) I'm hiding under a blanket and suddenly our big cat Floof and our little cat Floof, who are on the bed with me, both stuck their heads up and look towards the hallway outside the kids' rooms. They just stare for minutes, tensed up. I start saying, okay, you need to leave this house now. Leave the members of this family alone. You are not welcome in this house. Over and over and over. And finally, both cats are relaxed at the same time and carried on like all was well. Mm. When Sun woke up, he was perky. Like, he still has a fever, but he yells from his room, Why the hell is there salt under my bed? (laughs) And for the first time all week, he spent the day playing video games and talking and eating, and I just don't know. Mm. My husband, who doesn't believe in ghosts or spirits in the slightest, is freaked out. He said, I don't know what happened in that room, but something did. (laughs) 
he and daughter both note that son's eyes look normal again and his voice sounds normal again and he's no longer a melted little sir puddle and i will never sleep again because i can't get that smile that's spinning and that i've got those out of my brain the end Ugh. and then her postscript is i need you all to know that i very literally sweat through my shirt reliving this <laughs> do not want ever again this is why i don't watch horror movies folks and honestly, I get it. Yeah, I get it. And also, you got to get rid of the whole boy. Sorry. <laughs> Just whole boy. Just and then, of course, like, the, the replies out. are when other weird children do weird shit and it's just kids like, are just mm. creepy can we all agree they're just creepy although one person just said i've had ghosts hang around me on occasion oh but never anything like that one did evade my personal space too much so i had to tell it to back off a few times Jesus. it felt like someone was right next to me Oy it's vey. hard to sleep like that ah! <laughs> speaking of ghosts lingering around that you then get rid of. I don't remember if we told you guys on this podcast, but the woman who married the 300-year-old pirate ghost, oh, they're yeah. getting a divorce. Yeah. And she's like, I'm never dating ghosts again, which is thematically appropriate for this week's episode. Right? Which is on jilted lovers, scorned ladies, and just general spooky people who were spurned in love. Yep. Because it's Valentine's Day. Because it's Valentine's why Day. Why not? And real quick, not really related to spurned lovers, mm-hmm. other than like spurned fucking monsters ted bundy's childhood home is probably haunted af oh so it's some spooky news tell us about it basically his house has recently been purchased and has been undergoing his like childhood home in florida it's been undergoing renovations and everything to get ready for the new people to move in and the contractor hired originally brought his 11 year old daughter to the house because she comes with him on some jobs so that he can just like dictate notes and she jots them down But she started crying and said she felt weird and wanted to leave. Mm. And a demolition crew came in to start, like, tearing things down and whatever. And one of the crew members was like, I, this house does not feel right. I don't fucking care for this. And then things started happening, which Clopton, the contractor, was like, ha ha, funny pranks. So the things that started happening... Basically, they re-entered the house, which every night they locked it. Mm -hmm. And one day they re-entered, come in, every single door, every single cabinet drawer was open. Which is some exorcist bullshit. Pass. One time, the workers were cleaning up the basement, which had flooded, and they found the words, help me, written on the glass. But the glass had a screen protector on it, so basically, no one outside could have written it, so it had to come from inside the house. Mm. A heavy dresser in the upstairs hallway somehow pulled itself out. It had been anchored in. It pulled Mm -hmm. itself out and landed face down on the floor while the crew was downstairs, so nobody was near it. And basically just weird stuff kept happening. Electronics would get unplugged and just immediately die. They found the word leave written in sheetrock dust on a bedroom floor, except there were no footprints in the sheetrock dust. It was just the word leave. And like... They didn't know going into it that it was Ted Bundy's childhood home. They just, they looked into it and they started asking the neighbors. And neighbors are like, yeah, you know who used to live there, right? And they were like, no. And the neighbors were like, yeah, it was Ted Bundy. So. That's fun. It seems fine. And basically, it's so spooky that they called in, uh, the contractor hired to remodel the home wrote Bible verses in pencil inside the walls. <laughs> and he, he brought in two pastors to bless the house. Interesting. So be careful with childhood homes of serial killers. Uh, Just don't do it. Don't I'm do sure it. the property's cheap, but at what cost? Yeah. <sighs> Yikes. So spurred women, jilted lovers, etc., etc. <laughs> I've got two stories. What do you have? Uh, I just have like little little snippets little and stuff snippets. plus one that will... So the first thing I am going to talk about is famed, scorned woman, Anne Boleyn. Queen. Queen. I mean, for a little bit. I mean, yeah, for a hot second. For a hot second. For a hot second. A <laughs> couple of years. She had a good run. <laughs> Anne Boleyn married the infamous Henry VIII before he was infamous. I assume she found it very romantic that he made up a whole new church just so that he could, like, put a ring on it. Right. And, you know, he really wanted to make an honest woman out of her. Or maybe she just really wanted to be queen. From what I can tell, there is a historical account of it in a book I know I've mentioned before. It's called It Ended Badly, 13 of the Worst Breakups in History by Jennifer Wright. Mm -hmm. Which, if you like reading old-timey gossip, highly recommend this book. It's just fun. Mm -hmm. It's all the fun of drama without having to be personally invested because it happened hundreds of years ago. Yay! Yay! So... 
according to that historical account, it sounds like Anne Boleyn genuinely loved Henry. Interesting. Which makes it real sad what happened to her. Yeah. But, like, she she seemed like, she was like, I want to marry this guy, and if I happen to be queen, I guess that's okay. <laughs> Respect. Respect. Okay. 1500 spoiler, if you didn't already know, Anne is the first wife that Henry VIII beheaded. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. If you aren't familiar, Anne Boleyn married Henry and she bore him a daughter, Catherine I, Mm -hmm. and then had three miscarriages, which some historians speculate is the result of Henry having, like, late-stage syphilis. Mm -hmm. And also, at the time, it was considered a potential sign that somebody was a witch. So, not great for Anne. No. Instead of just being like, it's sad that this keeps happening. Now Henry's like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, from a 2019 standpoint where it's... It shouldn't be taboo to talk about miscarriages. No. You're just like, oh shit, That's she's so a witch. Yeah. yeah. Instead of instead like, in the 1500s, they're like, she's probably a witch and she's cursing your babies. Instead of, wow, that's really sad. sad. It must be so traumatic for her. Sometimes these things happen and it's yeah. a real fucking bummer. Yep. Henry, being a dick, decided to start courting Jane Seymour, who would eventually become wife number three. And at least in part, he started courting her because he wanted a male heir. But he's also probably just a mega douche who's the kind of person who gets bored with women and then blames them for making him bored and then just moves on to the next thing. And also, I'm such a powerful king that I created a new church. Yeah, I can do whatever the fuck (laughs) I want. I can do whatever I want. And whomever I want. As I put... (laughs) I talked a lot of shit about him in my notes. And as I put in my notes, come haunt me, bro. (laughs) Fuck you up. I'll make you feel bad about yourself. You won't bet money. (laughs) Basically... Henry was like, okay, I can't pull the whole divorce thing again, because I was like, the reason why it's so important that I get a divorce is because obviously this relationship with Anne, this is the one, this is going to last me forever. Yeah. And it lasted only a few years. So he's like, okay, I can't do that again, so I gotta, I gotta figure out a different plan. Because they, they're only married for about four years, and that's if you're counting from their first unofficial wedding, which is before the onset of divorce. He just... He secretly married her when he and his first wife were Mm -hmm. separated. And then he, for realsies, married her about a year later. So in total, by the most generous measurement, about four years. Basically, Henry took a super classy way out. He had Anne investigated and ultimately convicted of treason. Not witchcraft. Treason. Do you worry that Jack would do that to you now that you guys are four years (laughs) in? I mean, he's already started trying. Yeah. But okay. I've told him that if somebody's getting beheaded, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to behead him for other reasons because he's a witch. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> After 13 days of trial, during which Anne was imprisoned in the Tower of London, uh-huh. a jury during of her... Which. During which. <laughs> What's a bummer is her jury included her former fiancé and her uncle. And, like, her former fiancé... Henry Percy. I think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about him. Oh, cool. Yeah. So basically, her former fiance, she was engaged when Henry took a shine to her, mm-hmm. and Henry started, like, boning her. And so the fiance then had to be like, oh, we're going to dissolve this engagement, I guess, because the king wants to get in there. So that guy's on the jury. I'm sure he's completely unbiased. And her uncle, who mm-hmm. talked a lot of shit about her, is on the jury. Seems fine. But they found her guilty of treason after 13 days of deliberation. She was sentenced to beheading five days later and was ultimately beheaded on May 19th, 1536. Anne went to her grave in as dignified of a manner as can be expected, given that she was getting beheaded because her probably syphilitic husband could not keep his dick in his pants. She allegedly said the following before she got axed. And this is this is a really classy speech for a woman who is just ultimately getting super dicked over. Mm-hmm. Good Christian people, I am come hither to die, for according to the law, and by the law I am judged to die, and therefore I will speak nothing against it. I am come hither to accuse no man, nor to speak anything of that, whereof I am accused and condemned to die, but I pray God save the king, and send him long to reign over you, for a gentle nor a more merciful prince was there never, and to me he was ever a good, a gentle, and sovereign lord. And if any person will meddle of my cause, I require them to judge the best." And thus I take my leave of the world and of you all, and I heartily desire you all to pray for me. O oh Lord, have mercy on me. To God I commend my soul. We didn't deserve Anne Boleyn. We really fucking didn't. Like Henry did not deserve her. Think about the shit you have talked about exes who yeah. just like broke up with you and were right. kind of mean about it. She's literally getting sentenced to death and she's like, don't blame him. He's a really nice guy. Like, get he mad, not, Anne Boleyn. No, he no did, one deserved her. No one deserved her. Least of all fucking Henry. 
Anyway, beheading wasn't the end for Anne Boleyn. She's sometimes referred to as the most well-traveled ghost in Great Britain. Nice. Yeah. So she's she's, she's living her best day. Yeah, so what I found was about Henry Percy, and basically he was the future sixth Earl of Northumberland. Mm-hmm. They... Con- they considered marriage, but then the king's cardinal stepped in because he was you know, more advantageous if they married other people. Yeah. Some argue that Henry may have already taken an interest in Anne and stopped the match himself, but again, kind of like you, you shared a little bit about that, and it could be debated, right? Yeah. But basically, Percy lived in mutual misery with his wife, Anne Talbot, oh. who would later try to divorce him on the grounds of his alleged pre-contract with Anne Boleyn. If this was true, then his real wife was actually Boleyn, which would have jeopardized her match with the king. But he denied any marriage oath and lived out the rest of his life estranged from his second choice. If you can't be with the one you love, just be miserable and sentence the one you love to death. (sighs) Yeah. No one deserved Anne Boleyn. No one deserved her. Anyway. But I did find that the next fact after that was in Victorian times, <laughs> jilted ladies could sue their ex-fiancés and boyfriends for breach of promise, i.e. a breakup that resulted in emotional and financial damage. Amazing. In one case, a lady got 20 pounds from her would-be in-laws. Why? They broke off the match because she, the girl was deemed too pockmarked to Jesus. be a worthy daughter-in-law. Well, at least she got 20 pounds out of it, yeah. you dicks. <laughs> All right, so let's go over some of the places you can spot Anne Boleyn, because she's very well-traveled. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, the first spot where you can see Anne Boleyn is, of course, the Tower of London. Yes. like, duh, she got beheaded there. You can see a lot of ghosts of the Tower of London. You can see a lot of ghosts of the Tower of London. Of course, Anne Boleyn is going to haunt the shit out of the place that doomed her to death. Right. Two instances of her ghost being sighted there are as follows. One night, the captain of the guard saw a light flickering in the Chapel Royal. But it was locked, and thus, no one should have been in there. Hmm. When he went to spot the source of the light by climbing a ladder leaned up against the chapel, he saw something crazy. A procession of phantom knights and ladies walking around the, cast- the walking around the chapel. I love that. Right? At the head of the group was none other than Anne Boleyn, whom he reportedly recognized because of paintings. Good. So he's like... That's that lady from that one painting. Looks like that lady who got beheaded here, and she's having a nice little party in the chapel. All right. In 1864, Anne was spotted again, this time by General Dundas, a soldier on duty near the lieutenant's lodgings at the Tower of London. He claimed that he was confronted and challenged by a woman in white Ah. who bore a striking resemblance to Anne Boleyn. Her feet weren't touching the ground, and she was advancing quickly towards the soldier. Apparently, the situation escalated super quickly, and Dundas tried to bayonet the woman. Oh, God. You know, like you do. Like you do. Super chill. I don't know. If she's floating, I I mean, mean, definitely a ghost. Unfortunately, because she was floating, the bayonet did not connect with flesh, and seemingly it just went straight through her. Uh Uh-huh. And the whole incident was seen by another soldier on duty in the tower itself, which we know about because I believe it was Dundas got brought up on charges of deserting his post because he got so spooked after this happened. And the guy had to come forward and be like, I saw the whole thing. There's a reason he ran away. Yeah. Like, Like. it's it's okay, guys. (laughs) So he didn't get court-martialed. Oh, good. Oh, good. Anne's ghost is most frequently seen walking through the church near the tower grounds. She often manifests as the figure of a woman wearing a cloak with an empty hood, which Mm. is sad. Yeah. Second spot for seeing Anne Boleyn, Blickling Hall. Blickling Hall in Norfolk is Anne's birthplace and also the site of her annual Death Day pilgrimage. Every year as night falls on May 19th, a carriage drawn by headless horses rolls up to the estate, which is a pretty baller detail. That's a pretty baller detail. (laughs) Anne is seen sitting in the carriage holding her head in her lap. Once the carriage reaches the house, it disappears, but Anne reportedly wanders the corridors until the sun comes back up. Also, just as a fun aside, on the date of Anne's actual execution, a similar carriage was spotted on the grounds carrying a headless man behind it. Hmm. So it may just be a ghost carriage that was haunting Blickley Hall, Blickling Hall anyway. Yeah. And then Anne was like, can I get a ride? I, I kind of want to see my birthplace huh. on my death day. And they were Aww. like, Toads girl, hop on in. Happy death day. Like, like ghost summoning ride service. Yeah. You know, like Boober. Grossly, Boober is what they called it when they got all those sexual assault allegations on Uber. Anyway, third spot for sighting Anne Boleyn. Hever Castle. Possibly Hever. Didn't look it up. It was a dumb choice. 
Anne grew up at Hever Castle, so it makes sense that she likes to spend the holidays there. Reportedly, she loved Christmas time when she was alive, so Anne usually shows up on Christmas Eve or Christmas at her childhood home. Typically, she is spotted under an oak tree where she was allegedly most often courted by Henry. Her ghost wanders the ground, reliving their romance before crossing a bridge and disappearing. So hmm. she just, you know, she gets a little nostalgic at Christmas time. Fourth spot for sighting Anne Boleyn, Windsor Castle. I've been there. <gasps> are twice. Anne, are you Anne Boleyn's no. ghost? <laughs> but I've been there twice. I haven't seen any ghosts. Oh. As I put in my notes, are you even a royal ghost if you don't roll up at Windsor Castle? Right. Anne's ghost walks the halls in the castle and has been frequently spotted standing at a window. Also, on at least one occasion, Anne's generally chill ghost has been a horrible nightmare monster. When she was spotted racing down a corridor, holding her screaming head. Good. Lovely. Love it. Love it. Fifth and sixth spots for sighting Anne Boleyn, Sal Church, and Marwell Hall. There is, like, an urban legend slash conspiracy theory that Anne is actually buried at Sal Church. So, accordingly, her ghostly figure has been seen there. Mm-hmm. She's also been seen strolling Yew Tree Walk at Marwell Hall, which is where Henry and Jane Seymour reportedly planned their wedding while Anne awaited execution. <laughs> and as I put in my notes, Henry really loved courting ladies under trees, I guess. And also, he loved being an asshole. This spotting is believed to be the result of Anne associating this walk with Henry's betrayal. Mm. So she comes back to revisit and be like, that piece of shit. I was mm. awaiting death and this motherfucker was in here being like, ooh, what do you think? Should we have peonies or roses? Fuck you. That's what I tell myself, Anne says. And those are all the places you can see Anne Boleyn. Cool. Report back. Report back. Find her. Yeah. Tell her she did nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love how haunted England is. Oh, Yeah. And Scotland and just all the UK. Yeah. A lot of I, old like stuff. Like when, um, when Maxwell came oh. on our show to talk about his experience. Mm-hmm. At that, that like, one random tower. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Of course. Of course it's super haunted. Yeah. Of course you possibly <laughs> met a ghost lady. Yeah. Of course. Of course. So I have one story that I found about an actress named Evelyn Nesbitt. And mm-hmm. so some people considered her like the Marilyn Monroe of like the 19-teens. Or some people have called her, like, the first supermodel. (gasps) Get it, girl! But basically, she had this, like, very unearthly beauty, and she became a popular artist model and was eventually known to be the most photographed woman of her day. Wow. Um, But her real break came when she was cast as a chorus girl in the popular Broadway show Floridora. Okay. I love that. Floridora. Floridora. That sounds beautiful. The 16-year-old attracted hordes of admirers, but none... She was 16. Yeah. Hold, hold, just oh, hold on. No. <laughs> mm. That's not a good noise. That's not a good noise. Um, <laughs> the 16-year-old attracted hordes of admirers, but none more powerful than Stanford White. A 52-year-old architect, White was the brains behind the Washington Square Arch, Tiffany's, and the second Madison Square Garden. Ooh, shit, you fancy. He also loved the ladies, especially Evelyn. <laughs> She's 16, Courtney. No, oh, <laughs> I already forgot! <laughs> Stop old men. Stop old men. Um, After watching her perform, he showered her with gifts and even designed a special apartment for her and her mother. So, Oh, that's so classy. So classy. You let the 16-year-old live with her fucking mom the way she should because she's a baby. In addition to presents, he regularly invited Evelyn to his apartment where he'd push her in a specially made swing, earning Evelyn her infamous nickname, The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing. Um, and the name The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing pops up a lot when you, like, search Evelyn Nesbitt. Um, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Are we 100% sure this wasn't a creepy sex swing? I have no idea. Okay. I can't, I can't. I'm just mad at this man for preying upon this poor (laughs) 16-year-old. One night, he got Evelyn drunk and raped her. God damn it! Yeah, so, hold on. (sighs) But, oddly enough... This kicked off a year-long relationship because men are garbage. Men are trash. But eventually, Evelyn broke up with the architect and started hunting for a suitable husband. Enter Harry Kendall Thaw, the heir to a $40 million railroad fortune. Obsessed with Evelyn, he pursued her for two years, sending her everything from pianos to roses wrapped in $50 bills. Classy. And this is a different... This is... Think about the... I guess exchange rate <laughs> at this point. That's um, worth the, 15 billion American dollars probably, today. <laughs> right. Eventually, Evelyn accepted his proposal. This was too bad since Thaw was actually a woman beating coke addict. 
Men are I just garbage. realized why I recognize this story, and it's not for a good reason. Yeah. Plus, he hated Stanford White. Classy. The architect had barred Thaw from several important clubs, and the future railroad tycoon wasn't the type to forgive and forget. Mm. When Thaw finally learned what White had done to Evelyn, he decided to take revenge. On June 25th, 1906, Thaw approached White in Madison Square Garden. He pulled out a pistol and shot his rival three times, killing him on the spot. The subsequent PR trial became a national sensation. Thanks to a strong PR campaign led by his mother, Thaw was seen as a hero, a protector of womanhood. Oh, After, how generous that he murdered this guy. And right. granted, they're both trash, but come on. After an initial hung jury, Thaw was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Thaw spent the next eight years in a mental asylum and divorced Evelyn upon his release. The young woman was forced to work as a vaudeville dancer and struggled with depression. She eventually ended up in California and died in 1967. However, some say you can still see her ghost wandering up and down the halls of a Pennsylvania hotel that used to be the Thaw family home. Ooh, we yeah, should go so there. that one actually ends with a ghost story. Yeah, so and I, also we should go there and be yeah. like, it's not your fault, come here, let's give yeah, you a Yeah, I hug. was trying to like find more stuff about her as a ghost, but more people were... Talking like, about the murder. Talking about, like, the murder and, like, yeah. the love triangle and all of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to eventually hunt down that hotel so yeah. I can figure out what's going on there. We should we should find it and yeah. then go there. Um, and she really is a beauty. The photo that this article had didn't, I think, do her do, justice. Because yeah. there was this one very beautiful photo of her. Um, like, even there, she's, yeah, she's, she's really gorgeous. And she deserved better. She did. Treat ladies better. 2K19. Like, oh, she's wow. So yeah, she's really pretty. Oh. So, yeah. Treat women better. You assholes. Assholes. I recognized it because as soon as you got to the second guy, I was like, oh, fuck, this is an episode of My Favorite Murder. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't listen to My Favorite Murder. Yeah. It was was a while ago, but I was like, this sounds super familiar. And for a second, I was like, is this in my book of historical breakups going badly? And it wasn't. It was like, this was in that My Favorite Murder episode. And I was like, oh, no. But... There's a ghost involved. There's a ghost involved, <laughs> and that's all that matters. And also, fucking spooky murders. Spooky it murders. counts. Yeah. Fight me. Don't fight me. Unless you're Henry VIII, I'll fucking fight you, you son of a syphilitic bastard. Ugh. I get really mad about Henry VIII. It's fine. Treat ladies better. You ready to hear about another spooky lady? Okay, cool. so I have um, another celebrity murder, and this one was about Robert Blake. Oh. Yep. Though out of the public eye for some time, Robert Blake, who had been the star of Truman Capote's 1967 film, In Cold Blood. Ironically. Right? Ironically. (sighs) Became a household name after he was charged with murdering his wife of one year, Bonnie Lee Blakely. Uh, The high-profile trial intrigue centered on Blakely's background and the couple's strange history. She was widely known as a con artist for allegedly swindling men for money and had been arrested for writing $200,000 in bad checks along with having more than 30 fake identifications. Here's my issue with that. <laughs> all of that is speculation. Like, oh, is that speculation? Yeah, yeah. Like, like she was arrested for writing bad checks, but all of the, like, she was a black widow, she swindled men out of money, that all came out during his defense. Okay. So that's some bullshit. Sorry. It makes her all the more mysterious, and I thought she was kind of a badass. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, respect. All right. But so, he's a dick is the important part. Um, so, yeah. So she served some jail time at some point, and she met Blake and became his wife after a paternity test proved that he was the father of her daughter, Rose. So romantic. Um, who she had initially named after, with the last name Brando, after claiming Marlon Brando's son had been the father. Oop. Anyway. On May 4th, 2001, the couple had dinner at a restaurant, and upon leaving the restaurant, Blake claimed to have realized that he had left his revolver in the restaurant and returned to retrieve it. Which is the dumbest alibi. What? So basically, he was like, I couldn't have shot her, I left it in the restaurant. You dumb Dumb motherfucker. motherfucker. So, (gasps) and then when he came back to the car, he found his wife dead with a gunshot wound to her head. Mm. And then he ended up being charged with one count of murder with special circumstances, two counts of solicitation of murder, and one count of murder conspiracy. And eventually he was uh, acquitted and blah, blah, blah. But I just, the, the in cold blood yeah, aspect such a was bummer. what pick, drew me to that story because it was like, I okay, was in a movie about a famous, famous murder. murder and now I do a murder. And now I'm a famous murder. Yeah. Dick. <sighs> okay. That was my mm. short celebrity thing. Men. Terrible. Can't trust him. I left my gun in the restroom and I couldn't have... Ah! She didn't bear me any sons. Ah! Shut the fuck up, men. No one cares about your man pain. 
Just go through a breakup like a normal goddamn person. Anyway, you want to talk about La Llorona? Often called the most popular Mexican legend, the story of La Llorona is a horrifying and spooky one. A staple of Latin American spooky folklore, it has spread throughout the Southwest United States and is often associated with regions where mountain lions are common, which we'll get into in a second. I'm excited. So, let's get into it. Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Maria in a small rural village in Mexico. In some tellings, Maria is an indigenous woman, but in either case, story starts out the same. She is very, very beautiful and very, very poor. She lives in this tiny rural town. Her family has no money whatsoever. And Maria is recognizable because she is gorgeous. She's like Evelyn Nesbitt, just absolutely beautiful. And it was this beauty that got her the attention of a wealthy nobleman slash traveling prominent Spaniard slash some fancy someone or other. And he fell for her astounding looks and Maria's family was thrilled when he proposed shortly thereafter. Unfortunately, the nobleman's family was less thrilled, but Maria and her new husband were like, you know what, we're not going to deal with them. We're going to build a new house in this little village where Maria's from. We'll start our lives together. Let's have two babies, which they did. They had two sons. But the nobleman was not happy with his home life, and he didn't like having family roots. So he resumed his rigorous travel schedule, much to Maria's despair. Even when he was home, the nobleman ignored Maria and only paid attention to the boys. Maria did not love this, because that's a dick move. Pay attention to your wife. After months of treating her like this, the man eventually returned to the village with his new wife, a younger, proper, and wealthy woman. Mm-mm. Maria was so enraged at this turn of events that she drowned her sons in a blind rage. She is then immediately consumed by guilt. So what happens next in this part of the story kind of varies. The outcome is ultimately the same. Eventually, Maria drowns herself out of guilt. Mm-hmm. But the variations is whether she tried to find her sons first, mm-hmm. like out of desperation, trying to find her boys, or if she just immediately drowned herself out of guilt. Unclear. But in death, Maria was unable to find peace as she was turned away from the afterlife and heaven until she finds her lost sons. Mm. She has been searching ever since, and she is known by her distinct weeping, earning her the name La Llorona, the weeping woman. Mm. She is most commonly portrayed as a tall, thin woman with long, dark hair, wearing either a white gown or a black gown with a veil. Mm-hmm. In some variations of the legend, La Llorona is believed to bring death or misfortune to those who hear her cries, kind of like the banshee. So, like, if you hear her weeping, it's like, oh, something bad's gonna happen, watch out. She is most often reported crying, ah, mijos, which means, oh, my sons, Mm. which is really sad. She lurks around rivers and lakes trying to find her lost sons. There are versions of the legend, and these are probably some of the more common ones, that she's not super picky about the children she needs to get into the afterlife. So she's been known to kidnap some kids, ask them for for their forgiveness, and then drown them in nearby bodies of water. Mm. In some variations, La Llorona is like a spooky counselor. If you are not treating your family well or you're getting into a lot of fights with them, Mm. she's going to pop in and scare the bejesus out of you until you behave. One first-hand account is from a young man who got into a fight with his parents and ran away from home with his brothers. They met with a woman wearing a black net over her face. The boys, spooked, then turned around to go home, and that's when the woman said, I will visit you again someday when you argue with your mother. (laughs) So this is more of that, like, scaring kids into not being little shits. So let's get into some of the variations. In the Aztec version, there is one legend of La Llorona that suggests she is the Aztec goddess Chihuacuatl, Mm-hmm. And Chihuacuatl earned her weeping reputation by lamenting an imminent conquest. And sure enough, here comes Spain with all of their conquests and destruction mm. and murder and plague and all of that chaos. So thus, all of the weeping. There's also the story of Dona Marina, mm-hmm. also known as La Malinche. Mm-hmm. And she is the Nahua woman who served as an interpreter for Cortes and eventually became his lover slash the mother of at least one of his children. In one story, once she bore Cortez a child, he abandoned her so that he could then marry a more suitable woman. And mm. even though, I mean, there's mm. no such thing as a more suitable woman. Mm. Just be nice to the women in your life, you fucking assholes. But anyway, even though in this variation of the story, she doesn't kill her child, mm. she's just pissed 
because she was shunned by the people in her community because they were like, oh, you want to take up with this guy mm-hmm. who's colonizing the fuck out of us? And then also she had her, she he turned his back on her. So all of the conquistadors are like, new phone, who dis? So La Malinche was driven to acts of vengeance, which respect. Mm-hmm. I ain't mad at it. So what does this have to do with mountain lions? When mountain lions are mating, they let out a really horrible sound, Mm -hmm. and it often sounds like a woman's blood-curdling scream. Mm -hmm. So, say, you hear that on a dark night, when your parent is saying, you listen to me, buddy boy, otherwise La Llorona is going to get you. Mm. So basically, it's, it's just... Again, we, we've covered a bunch of different variations on various boogeymen. It's like, don't go out at night because La Llorona looks out for kids who wander around at night by themselves and she's going to get you. AKA wild animals will get you. Yeah. Or don't go too close to the water because La Llorona is going to drown you or you're going to fall in the water, water and something and, bad's yeah. going to happen. Like, it's just classic fear tactic parenting. Let me see if I can find a mountain lion scream. Yeah. Mountain lion screams, fox screams, all of that. Not great. Yeah. Um, they're real bummers. No wonder we have so many... <laughs> spooky legends about people who scream. I I go camping once in a while in California and I don't camp in a tent. I just sleep out in the open. And because I'm the opposite of Courtney and uh, <laughs> I don't go camping. I I happily slept outside for a week and then we got back to San Francisco and my uncle was like, "Yeah, it was real nice that like no animals like disrupted us." And I was like, "What kind of animals?" He goes, "You know, bears, mountain lions." And I was like, I was sleeping out, <laughs> out of doors. Sasha, that's how La Llorona gets you. I didn't hear anything. Yeah. That's a mountain lion. If I hear that, one, I'm going to pee my pants. Um, and two, absolutely, I'm going to be like, oh my God, this woman's come to kill me. The other weekend, I was uh, Jack and our third roommate and I went and visited two of our other friends out in Clifton over mm-hmm. where like the bunny man lives. Um, <laughs> bunny but- man. They live on, uh, our friends live on, like, a, a plot of land that's quite big and seems like rural Virginia, even though it's literally... It's not far. It's not, it's, like, a 20-minute drive from here, where we, like, 20 minutes in the other... Actually, like, 15 minutes in one direction is D.C. Yeah, <laughs> and, 20 and then minutes, 20 minutes the other way is, like, farmland. Boonies very dark uh, yeah. at night. But they... <laughs> there's chickens out in the distance, and there's also a rooster, like, one, one you know at some point like one plot over mm-hmm. but sometimes the rooster making its noise sounds like screaming as oh, well good. we were trying to figure out if we were hearing a lady or maybe some children screaming and then we realized it was it was rooster the rooster because oh. then like the rooster it was the same volume and then started making more rooster like sounds and we were like okay this makes more sense but we were like but that also could have been a blood-curdling scream. <laughs> Hell hath no fury like a rooster confused about the time. Yeah. And then there are, we do have wild animals in this area that we do. just make screaming noises. So it, that's always fun. A lot of animals make really upsetting sounds. Yeah. So it makes sense there's a lot of stories. Yeah, that, about like, yeah. and it's a screaming person and it's scary. Yeah. Yes, it's scary. That's not a nice noise. Yep. Hi. All right, I have one more celebrity story. Hit me. And we've already done this one on Spoop Hour, but it's always worth like mentioning on Spoop Hour, yes. especially an episode like this where it's like jilted lovers, jilted lovers, and also kind of tangentially spoopy. So, just four months after appearing in the 1982 blockbuster supernatural thriller Poltergeist, hey, 22-year-old actress Dominique Dunn was strangled by her ex-boyfriend, sous chef John Thomas Sweeney, at her West Hollywood home. Boo. The attack put her in a coma for five days until she was declared brain dead and taken off of life support. Oof. And so, basically, it was just talking about, um, you know, her, who she was related to. She was related to an heiress and a film producer, and she was also the niece of Joan Didion, Mm. um, whom I love. But she was cast in a couple of movies in the late 70s and then eventually landed her first role in feature film role in Poltergeist. Mm -hmm. Basically, the trouble with her boyfriend began shortly after the two moved in together just weeks after meeting, which everyone has a different path in their relationship. That's true. But sometimes you gotta pump those brakes. Every relationship is like a snowflake, but sometimes your snowflake is falling too fast. Yeah. And it's okay to take a second and be like, let's just pause for a minute and slow down a little. That's okay. For example, a few months prior to her murder, two altercations occurred. One being his first attempt on her life by strangling. And then the other was 
you know, probably another domestic violence thing. And then he That's murdered her. so sad. And it's so sad because she had, like, so... It was her ex-boyfriend, right? Yeah. And, so, like, and she was so young. She was young. She was and a baby. And she had, like, a lot of talent. And she, like, you know, obviously came from, like... She the, had a good she family She had a good background. family background that were, like, if she was, like... I'm tired of this. I'm, you know, moving out. I was like, oh, where are you going to go? It's like, to my, to my parents because they're rich. And like, that's, that's what's so sad and scary about domestic violence situations mm. is because part of how they happen is the person doing the abuse is saying, there's no one else for you. Right. It's just me. And they get into your psyche and they destroy it. And then they're like, I'm it. If you leave here, you have nothing. And it's so sad and it's so fucked up and just treat women right. That's all I want. She was so young, this poor baby. When I was doing my research, I the first article that I found was about women who flew off the handle and murdered their husbands. Like the show Snapped on Oxygen. There, there were some really interesting ones, so oh, I yeah. kind of feel like we could do a Black Widow episode at some Ooh, point. Ooh, I like it. Because there are some spooky, like real spooky, yeah. like legends about like serial murder women. Like Belle Gunness? Oh, Bill Gunnis. We should do that one. I'm sure that her could be our next. That could be our next February episode. Yeah, it's just, Jilted Lovers Part Two, but <laughs> Black Widows. Black Widows. <laughs> yeah, it's just they did nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong. <laughs> first of all, You've done I'm nothing wrong, wrong in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's sad because when you look at all of these common features in ghost mm-hmm. stories, it's like this is somebody who either died in really tragic circumstances or somebody who had a lot of life ahead of them and they had unfinished business mm-hmm. or just like there was some sort of like deep tragedy. And yeah. of course, when you go into jilted lovers and women scorned, there's going to be deep tragedy because sometimes people break up with you and you're sad and you drink wine with your friends and you cry, you watch 500 days of summer and like you lay on the floor and just feel bad about yourself. But then eventually things start to get a little bit better and you have friends around you and you're like, whatever, fuck him. I don't even remember his dumb name. And then other times they break up with you and are like, BT dubs, you committed treason. So I'm going to cut your head off because I'm an asshole. Yeah. Like, of course you're going to come back as a ghost. Right. And it's so sad. It is so sad. If we, maybe if we treated women a little better, we wouldn't have so many women in colors. Just a thought. A woman in white, woman in blue. I did see. Woman in brown. When I was researching woman in red. La Llorona. That was um, a good, that was a fun episode of research, by the way. The, oh, yeah. The women wearing women colors. Wearing, yeah. There are so many. Mm-hmm. We could do another one because there's so many. I did see that. La Llorona is sometimes referred to as the woman in white, so there are variations of stories with similar impacts. For example, in the pilot episode of Supernatural, which I've actually seen for a while, our third roommate really liked Supernatural. This was like 10 years ago, even though it's still on the air now. She doesn't really like it anymore because it's been on the air for 20 years. Anyway, she had me watch a couple episodes with her and one, too spooky for me. Two, the first episode is about a woman in white hunting covered bridges in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And the woman in white is a woman whose husband was cheating on her and then she drowns her children and now she haunts these bridges and waits for men to pick her up and determines if they're faithful or not and then kills them. Which is very clearly influenced by La Llorona. Yeah. Legend of woman, drowns her kids. Mm -hmm. You also see it, there's in Greek mythology, Zeus steps out on Hera because that's what he does best. And he impregnates another woman. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But in some versions of the legend, she then eats her children because Mm. it's Greek mythology and who's not going to eat their babies. Happened somewhat regularly. Or Hera kills all of her children. Mm. So it's it's sort of this common theme. Or like in the Medea story Mm -hmm. with, you know, my husband has wronged me in a fit of rage. I make a mistake and Mm -hmm. kill my children. Like... It's a very common theme, and still we don't treat women better. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting to see La Llorona has had such, like, far-reaching impacts. Like, in the Southwest, there are variations on the La Llorona story, mm-hmm. but, like, they're all basically, watch out for this woman, she might drown you, she's very scary, she mm. weeps and screams, spooky, spooky, spooky. <laughs> but, like, often it's just a deterrent for children to, like, listen, because yeah. I'm gonna go out. No, you're not. There was one story... Where this woman 
said that her mother saw La Llorona because apparently La Llorona is not like vampires. She has no rules about when she can come in the house. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> so this woman was, when she was younger, she was a teenager, she was on the phone late into the night with her boyfriend, mm-hmm. which is that kind of disrespectful behavior that La Llorona does not care for. And she turned around because she suddenly felt very, very cold. And then she dropped the phone because La Llorona was just staring there, standing there staring at her. And she, you know, accordingly freaked out and presumably never spoke on the phone late at night to her boyfriend ever again. My favorite ghost stories are the ones that are just like child deterrence. Yeah, there it's are just so like, many. Maybe just don't go do that thing. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like the heart of it is good. Don't go near the water because bad things could happen. Don't wander around at night because bad people are out there. The, don't eat that thing because it could kill you. Yeah, the stories I don't like are the ones where people get murdered. Yes. Although I really did enjoy that book that I read this weekend. I mean... But mo- the murder wasn't the central element of it. No, it was That's why the, I enjoyed it. There you go. See... <laughs> I just love how many cultures are like, if I scare my child, he'll behave. And it's like, yeah, you know, respect. (laughs) So tell us what your parents told you to get you to behave. I'm sure there are some good stories. I'm surprised we have a really good episode. Yeah. Well, sound off. Tell us what scary things your parents told you. Maybe if you didn't eat your vegetables, a witch was going to come and pull off your ears. Tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just the standard. There's a thing under the bed. My parents never used fear tactics with me. Probably because I was already afraid of everything. Yeah. So just, you know. They had, my parents had to do the opposite, which was the, we're going to explain everything to you (laughs) because you're too scared to go into the basement alone. Like, (laughs) like we need to break everything down for you so Mm. that you know you don't have to be scared of this. Yeah. There was a lot of like, oh no, Courtney's in the room, change the channel because otherwise she's going to have hideous nightmares. Yeah. No, I... My, yeah. I was, that's too much. Too for much, me. man. Yeah. But so we want to hear the opposite. Tell us the things that your parents did to keep you from going out at night or wandering too close. Because you have like the Bunyip, who is yeah. Australia's don't go close to the water because it's going to drown you. Yep. And you have like Green Jenny and those fairies in the UK and Ireland and those kind of places mm-hmm. who are don't go near the water or it's going to drown you. Like these are important lessons for children yeah. that we just scare the shit out of them to teach. Mm-mm. So tell us what your parents did to you. Yeah. Also, if you have any spooky, jilted lover stories that we didn't cover here that you would love to hear, tell us. Spoophour yeah. at gmail.com or connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoophour. Like, is did we leave out an interesting note for any of these stories? Tell us. Yeah. I'm, I will say, if you want to know more about La Llorona, the Believer Skeptic podcast has a really incredible mm-hmm. episode about her and they go into, she has this huge pop cultural presence. Ooh. And Mm -hmm. so there are multiple songs about her and some are like mournful ballads and some are just like spooky, 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 spooky. So absolutely go listen to their La Llorona episode. It's very interesting and very, very in-depth. Ooh. It's some good shit. Did you look up La Llorona songs? Because you should. They're good. Yeah. No, I I was looking for more books by the (laughs) (laughs) Sasha's got the murder bug. I just, I really like this guy. Yeah. Keigo Higashino. Maybe he's your Valentine this year. My, my mom and I were joking about starting a podcast together the other night <laughs> while I was telling her about the book I was reading, and she was like, Japanese murder mystery, is it Higashino Keigo? And I was like, actually, yes. <laughs> um, and she went upstairs and brought down a bunch of Higashino Keigo books. Nice. And they're all in Japanese. Classic. And so I'm, I don't have time for that. <laughs> um, I could... But, but I don't. Like, yeah. I choose not to. That's, um, that's got to be tough, too, because I'm sure you don't have the murder vocabulary. So you'd be, like, in the middle of a twisty turn and be like, fuck, I don't know Yeah, I, like, as I was reading kind of, like, what the deal was with the murder weapon in the book that I just finished, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I could have followed the explanation, oh. like, in the Japanese version. Yeah. But she and I were joking about, because she's going to check out Newcomer, but she's doing interlibrary loan to get the Japanese one. Oh. Um, and I was like, wouldn't it be fun if I read the English ones and you read the Japanese ones and we talked about it? <laughs> and then we recorded it. And she actually agreed. She was like, actually, that would be cool. And Yay. so I'm like, I'm going to have a podcast with my mom. <laughs> like a boss. So, a momcast. Momcast. Yeah. Yeah. But I need to figure out which of his books have actually been translated to English. It a lot might of be a very been, short podcast. A lot of people, uh, sorry, a lot of other languages have his books. Like, 
a bunch of his books got translated to German, not English, hmm. or Korean, not English, or German and Swedish and, you know, French, but not English. I somehow ended up, this was years ago, but I somehow ended up with a copy of Le Petit Prince uh-huh. in Japanese. Oh, nice. A French book. I had the Japanese translation of it. Oh, I didn't have the English okay. translation. Yeah. I don't know what happened to it. I, I discovered it right before I went to college, so mm-hmm. I, like, put it in with my box of books to take to mm-hmm. college. And then I don't know if it just, like, got lost got in my lost dorm room or yeah. got lost in translation somewhere. But I used to have it. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Nice. And I don't know where it happened. I also used to have a book of the complete works of Shakespeare. And that also disappeared at about the same time. So I might have just had a, a book ghost. Book ghost. Don't steal my books. Anyway, we hope you have a safe and happy Valentine's Day. I don't think we went into it. That's why we talked about scorned and jilted lovers. Because Valentine's, Valentine's Day is coming soon. Coming we, soon. We hope you have a nice day. We hope you have a nice Thursday, even if you're not planning on celebrating hope it. Hope you go get some cheap chocolate on Friday. Ooh, yeah, do that. Wait mm. until like 12.05 a.m. Friday morning and then just go get all the discount fancy chocolates. And treat yourself. Be treat your yourself. own boo. Like, good for you. Be good to yourself. Take yeah. care of yourself. That's all that matters. Like, who cares if you don't celebrate this holiday? Who cares if you do? Have a good day. Eat some chocolate. Treat yourself. Even though we live abroad, as women of Indian origin, we have a common thread that binds us together because of our strong cultural background. NRI Woman is a platform for women to share their stories and experiences on various topics. Our podcast is about inspiring NRI women and their amazing stories. Some of the stories we've covered include growing up in a joint family in India, adopting a child as a single woman, and rebuilding one's life after the loss of a child. Take a listen. We hope you'll be inspired or learn something new. I'm Bettina. And I'm Nanora. And we're the voices behind NRI Woman Podcast. We're all heart. Just look for NRI Woman wherever you get your podcasts or find us at nriwoman.com. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe.